0: Why do nonprofits apply to foundations? Why don't foundations apply to nonprofits? Because it is the sole intent purpose of a foundation to give to community. So why is the onus of finding the giving opportunities on the folks receiving the dollars?
1: Welcome to the latest episode of our Good and Grounded podcast. It's a project that our ground floor media and center table team created as a way to shed light on some of the biggest issues and challenges facing our Colorado community. I'm Laura Love. Our next guest recently secured a million dollars in no strings attached funding from Mackenzie Scott. Was featured on the Today Show, Nine News, and in other major media outlets made DBJ's 40 under 40 list this past year, was featured by Westward as a top 10 most valuable player in Denver, and is a champion for our youth, equity, and the power of art. Welcome, Jamie Duffy, Executive Director of Youth on Record. I'm thrilled to have you on the show. So happy to be on here. It's always so
0: funny when somebody is, is reading your bio, it's funny meaning humiliating, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh well, you should be proud. Oh, I, um, I I
0: am, but um, yeah, it's a little it's a little humbling. But
1: yeah, happy to be here. I'm so glad. Well, I had a total blast doing research on you. I did feel a little bit like a stalker, but and on Youth on Record, what a cool, cool place. Um, for those that haven't had the opportunity to spend hours going down a very cool rabbit hole, can you tell our listeners how you were founded, Youth on Record, and the big things your team is up to?
0: Sure. Um, So we were founded in 2008 by members of the Denver band Flowbots and these guys were very committed to harnessing the power of music and the people who love it. They're all Denver Public Schools graduates and they really, uh, they're impact artists. So they're artists who are wanting to make really good art, make an impact and also create economic opportunities. And At the time, they they were community organizers and activists, so they said, you know, we'll channel this into a nonprofit, named it after their band called Flowbots.org. At the same time, their band launched, and so they brought some of us in to um, lead and steward the organization, and that's when I got involved in 2010. So we have evolved and grown so much in my time here. We serve over 2,000 youth, in Denver, Aurora, and Cherry Creek Public Schools, and really what we're attempting to do is to build on a liberatory framework where music is actually a tool for community and personal empowerment and liberation. Um, And so we teach in the schools our liberatory and trauma-informed framework, and then we also have a host of -of out-of-school time programs. so yeah, we are, uh, we are a team of all professional local musicians with the exception of myself and one other person.
1: I read that it's like 90%, right? It sure
0: is. And it's amazing because musicians themselves have to be bold. They have to be innovative. Um, they're brave. Um, they are symbolically representing what it means to be a person in this human experience or human vocation, as some people call it. So um, so it's an incredibly beautiful and robust team who come from the neighborhoods that we serve. And uh, many of them, actually almost 40% of them are former students. Um, So this team has grown from 1 to 20, um, and we've grown about over 2,000% since I've been here. So
1: That's incredible. I read, again, in my stalking moments, I read that about you. Um, So, and I also read that a decade ago, you received your first local community grant for $10,000. And just recently, a much, much, much larger check just landed in your lap. Can you tell me about that experience?
0: You know, I think I had always in my heart and my spirit thought, one day we're gonna get that call. One day we're gonna get a call and somebody is going to come in with, you know, kind of angel level money. When that happened, I, so I was raised, my dad is in law enforcement. And so I have a healthy amount of skepticism about internet (laughs) scams. And so I get this email and I think, yeah, no way is this, I mean, this isn't real. It was like, we have a highly confidential donor. So in jest, I called them and just said, you know, what a weird email to get, Judy. You know, like, is this a Russian bot scam? She laughed and said, no, it's not. Also, can you agree to an NDA like right now? And I thought, all right, something's happening. They revealed the gift, who it was from. And when we talk about philanthropy and the roots of philanthropy, it's important, and I'm not the person who came up with this. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about this, that while we can recognize philanthropists for what they're doing, we cannot forget about the reasons that philanthropy exists in the first place. And those re- reasons are rooted in deep inequity, uh, white supremacy, and a system that has marginalized and minoritized the majority of um bipoc communities disabled communities women lgbt communities so I was really it was it was a it was sort of like a spirit test for me. Can I live those values of knowing that about philanthropy and how i approach how I recognize philanthropists in our work because they are critical to our work while also kind of taking in the moment of being gifted a million dollars and so I knew in the moment, I, I had enough I had enough clarity to be able to say thank you for the trust, not for the money itself. And so when I say thank you for the trust, I say thank you for the trust that our organization and our container for equity and supporting the next generation of young creatives that you chose us to trust. Um, but that money belongs back in the hands of community. And so that's that's a fine line. Fortunately, Mackenzie Scott is the kind of philanthropist who gets that and has written about that. Um, but that's a risk that I... that um, Talking about that is a risk with, with some philanthropists. I go ahead and do it anyway, um, because it's the right thing to do. And that's also part of my responsibility as a white leader in this sector, is to push in a way and take the risks and take the hit Um, if a hit needs to be taken so
1: yeah I I love that you are bold and you are brave and I read your open letter to community foundations earlier this year it's titled "Nonprofit teams are on the brink and you were and I will paraphrase it because it was a beautifully a very eloquent letter but you asked foundation leaders to be a part of the solution by providing unrestricted multi-year grants Without applications, without reporting, just that blind faith, that trust that you talked about, that the community builders, the innovators will keep doing this hard, hard work. So, I have to ask, how was that letter received? So, there's two ways it's been
0: received. Um, I have had nonprofit folks reach out to me out of the blue saying, Thank you, thank you, thank you. I needed to know that somebody saw me. So, on the side of nonprofit leadership, I think. One reason I wrote it is so that folks feel less alone and that there is somebody out here who's saying, I'll say the thing that I know y'all are having a hard time saying. I also sent it to a bunch of nonprofit leaders saying, if you're having a hard time saying the thing, just say, my friend said the thing. So I don't have to say the thing, but will you consider the (laughs) thing? So I wanted them to use it as a tool. Foundations and community foundations have reached out saying... From the foundation side, you know, this actually will help us move our trustees. So that's all really good. I also think that um, foundations are trying to figure out the how and why of this of the process. So if we if we come into this and say nonprofits don't have to submit grants and they don't have to submit um, reports, where's the accountability? Like that's the first thing people will say, well, how do we hold them accountable? And I will tell you, somebody said this to me 15 years ago and it stuck, which is every time a cat dies, somebody starts a nonprofit and it is true. Nonprofits are across the board in this country. and, And I don't think the majority of this country understands that the nonprofit sector is the third sector and that they are far and wide, right? I think a third of Colorado employees work for nonprofits when you put the hospitals and universities in. So nonprofit as a thing is huge, right? You've got these tiny all volunteer mom and pop shops up to university hospitals. Accountability is important in every single sector. And I think it's not that nonprofits are not looking to be held accountable. The question is who's responsible for doing the due diligence? Why do nonprofits apply to foundations? Why don't foundations apply to nonprofits? Because it is the sole intent purpose of a foundation to give to community. So why is the onus of finding the giving opportunities on the folks receiving the dollars? It's a question we need to start asking. Why are we spending our time and our resources when our mission is to serve the community and your mission foundation is to serve the nonprofit via your dollars. So nonprofits are being taxed with this with this whole arm over here of fighting for a piece of the pie. And, you know, we're fighting for a piece of the pie and trying to solve the world's most pressing issues. And that doesn't add up.
1: Well, I have to, for those who haven't read your open letter, I love the way you closed it. And I'll just use your words because they were beautiful. Okay. Just consider yourselves an old friend we haven't talked to in a while. We promise. We'll pick up where we left off the next time we're together. We're just a little busy right now solving the world's problems. Oh, and please send money. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. It's awesome. And I will tell you, we have a foundation, which you may know, it's very small, um, called the Get Grounded Foundation. And we actually just met this week to determine our grants uh, or to review our grants. And reading your letter truly made me think about how we do that and the reporting requirements and the grant applications. So we're a very small mountain in a very large, you know, environment. But thank you for that, because it did it did make me ask some hard questions.
0: Yeah. You know, a couple of people have asked me, and this is an easy thing for anybody in foundations listening to this and small, midsize, large. Um, especially smaller foundations like you all, um, you know, who have a part of this as your company culture, Nonprofits actually have a lot of materials that they've created that they don't have anybody to share with. Um, We create some stuff for our boards. We create other things for our corporations. We create a whole other, all other decks for our individual givers. We create things for the schools. We create things for the foundations. Each foundation needs their own thing. There is so much material there. I think one of the easiest, most practical solutions, especially right now, during COVID, during a call for racial uprising, political uncertainty, climate change, you name it. I believe the easiest solution is just let the nonprofits submit what they have. Mm. Also, I actually think that if you allow nonprofits to send what they have, you will learn more about them than in the questions you have about them. Because the, the materials that we create at Youth On Record tell you who we are, And they're also designed beautifully, which tells you, okay, these are artists. Mm -hmm. Um, Things that we choose to talk about in our own materials, you can tell our values are there, right? Um, So if you also allow people to send what they've already created for themselves and for their boards, um, you're not going to get people who are doing performative DEI work. Because if in your application, you ask, what are you doing around advancing racial and social equity? And I'm an organization that doesn't do that, but I know in order to get that 50K, I have to, I'm going to make something up. That's right. But if it's already embedded in your materials, then you know it's what we care about. I think that is the easiest solution right now that it's like, let's just give it a whirl. For 12 months, I promise the whole industry isn't going to collapse um, if we do that. And then one final thing I'll push there. I think it's incredibly important for larger foundations to flip their funding for two to three years meaning arts foundations uh, other foundations who are giving the most of their money to the largest organizations right so somebody like youth on record might get 20 dollars. 40,000, somebody like the denver art museum might get 21 million cool potatoes potatoes community organizations are on the ground and they're actually i believe doing the best and most uh, dei work because it's a part of our dna whereas some of the top tier organizations are having to bring in consultants and teams to work on this because that's not necessarily why they were founded okay if we flip the funding for three years And the top 80 percent of funds go to community organizations and the 20 percent of the funds go to the top tier organizations to sort of get it together in terms of equity. I think we would see some major shifts in this nation within three years.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Locally, SCFD and, you know, Philanthropy Colorado, this would be an incredible just conversation to have with the leadership at that level
0: bingo, right? Mm-hmm. SCFT is a, a perfect example. And Deborah and the whole crew who work over there, again, I'm so this with yes. all respect.
1: They're wonderful yeah. human beings. Okay. So this is a fun break. We like to spend a few minutes with our guests just to get to know you on a more personal level. So just entertain me. Love it. It's a lightning round portion of the interview. You're always welcome to say pass. If you can't think of your answer, I doubt that will be the case. Okay. I love it. I yes. love games like this. Okay. So we'll just go. Uh, Favorite karaoke song. Oh,
0: gosh. Okay, see, I, I got to get in the mode for lightning round. Um, I, I did just recently sing a karaoke song, which is when Rizzo sings, there are worse things I could do from Greece. <laughs> I, love I love that it. song. I could see it. It's like She was that. like a feminist in the 70s. So yes, I, yeah, anything, yeah. Something Perfect. from Greece, for sure.
1: Okay, if you could sit next to anyone on a plane, dead or alive, who would it be? Jesus. Ooh, I like it. Do you play any instruments? No, (laughs) I tried to play the guitar once and
0: I was like, my left hand doesn't work. So I leave that to the youth on record team.
1: That's good. Okay, what's something you think everyone should try at least once in their lifetime? What's something I think everybody should try at least once in their lifetime? Therapy. Good answer. Um, What is your favorite way to spend a Sunday afternoon in Denver?
0: My favorite way to spend a Sunday afternoon in Denver currently, because I just moved to the Baker neighborhood, is to, you know, walk up and down South Broadway. Um, So but I like to go behind South Broadway with my earphones in and listen to film scores. I love film scores. And then when I hit the strip of South Broadway, then I sort of take them off and I feel like I'm in a little bit of a suspended reality. Like I just had this like moment, like this inner life moment. And then I'm like out and I'm seeing just the actual buzz of being alive. That's my favorite way to spend a Sunday afternoon right now.
1: I love that. Okay. What's the most random skill set you possess that no one really knows about? I would say some people know about this, including Megan,
0: who works for your company, but I uh, sort of moonlight as a friend doula, meaning I have been at six of my girlfriend's births, uh, babies' births, and have acted as their doula Um, it is a random skill set that is either I have no idea from a past life or being raised in a daycare I don't have children of my own but when my girlfriends have their babies I'm there with them as their coach and then they
1: have the babies and then there they are (laughs) that's perfect Uh, Okay. Last question. If you were allowed to take three non-essential things to a deserted island, you know, forget the basic stuff that you have to keep alive, what would those be?
0: I would take uh, some sort of coffee. I would take art supplies. And then I would probably pack a suitcase of my favorite go out outfits so that I don't have to spend the rest of my life looking like
1: I live on a desert island. And that's one item. And I will just give you that. And I want to be on your island when you have visitors. So thank you. (laughs) Well, this has been so fun. I know. Okay. So before I let you go, we always like to leave our listeners with just one thing they could do to make an impact on your organization. So if you could give a shout out to we need help. This is how to get involved with us. What would it be? I think on the
0: organization side, there's always opportunities to um, contribute and become a member of our individual donor family. We believe everyone's a philanthropist, so you can give $25 a year up to $5,000 a year. There's room for you at the table as an individual donor family member of Youth on Record. Side note, one thing that you can do for the larger ecosystem that we're involved with is to... um, Talk to young people, especially teenagers. Uh, What do they care about? What are they worried about? What are they inspired by? What are they, um, what concerns them? What ideas do they have? These are whole people who are in your community who need the adult community to to demonstrate to them that their voices and value matter. Um, And so seek out a teenager and really just sit with them and
1: hear where they're coming from. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was an amazing way to spend a few minutes on this beautiful day. And I appreciate you taking the time to share a little bit more and congratulations. What a great, um, email to get from the bots in Russia that, uh, landed in your lap. It was pretty great.
0: (laughs) It was pretty great. It was was pretty great. We're, We're grateful for the trust. Um, yeah. Thanks so much.
2: What a great episode, um, and I always love the episodes personally that we have to do with music because uh, it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Love the fact that we actually have the chance to get back out to, to concerts uh, as we can uh, this summer and that type of thing. And I think a one cool thing that I was thinking of is our producer of Good and Grounded, Armand Piku, who makes us sound amazing on every episode, um, actually got to go to Riot Fest in Chicago, and uh, his recap of Riot Fest and seeing his photos from Chicago. And, and and being able to see him go to listen to some live music and do so in a way where, you know, there's there's vaccination protocols, there's, there you know, people are, are trying to be respectful to each other. I know I've been to a couple of Red Rock shows where uh, everybody seems much more respectful of personal space than I think they ever have, which is, which is just awesome. So uh, my one cool thing is being able to get back to things like Riot Fest, like Armand was able to, to do so and feel cool about it and actually get to listen to some live music, which is good for the soul all the way around so uh, if you like what you hear obviously good is where you can find out more about the podcast you can find us on iTunes Apple Podcasts Spotify Podbean wherever you listen uh, to your podcast and if you do hear of a good story that needs to be shared let us know reach out drop us a line subscribe to the podcast share it with your friends and let's get out there and do some good in our Colorado communities (music)